Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to the Recruiting Trojan Blast for this week of January 24th, 2012. we got 10 days left, or 9 days left now, until signing day. We're doing another USC Trojan Blast, talking about this USC recruiting class, counting down the days, like we said, only 9 days left until Wednesday, February 1st, which is National Letter of Intent Day, which is kind of like Christmas for all the recruitniks out there. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are likely a recruitnik following USC football recruiting, and there's no one better to follow than Gmart Live. Gerard Martinez is joining the show. What's up, Gerard? How you doing, man? That's my new intro. You have hello, Trojan fans, and I'm just going to make an explosion sound for the blast. All right. It's just a boom. It's a, it's a big boom. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Gerard, and I, I don't know if we set some kind of record. There's no official record but i think i have four pages of questions this week, <laughs> plus voicemails and uh yeah it's good we do appreciate your questions we love you to to call them in write them in podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address or call 206-888-6755 and if you want to go right to the front of the line for any podcast we have a new feature right on the page itself on the left side it says click here to leave a voicemail you can leave us a voice message right there on your computer we have not got one of them yet. We want someone to try. Someone tried it and they couldn't get it to work, and I, I'm not sure what's going on with that. But go in there, try it out, leave us a voicemail. I guarantee it will be the first question answered on the podcast if you leave one of those. So try well, those that's out. Some incentive there. Yes, and if you don't, then leave you can one, just turn off the rest of the podcast. You'd be like, whatever, dude. I got my question answered. I'm going to bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all I needed to know. Uh, yeah, we got lots of emails, which are great, and, and the voicemails are awesome. But we want to try this new feature. It looks pretty cool. Um, so I just want to try it out and let someone test it. And, uh, if they have a recruiting question and get to it, how are you doing, Gerard? Are you, uh, you're surviving? You getting not, not much sleep or anything? I am surviving. I'm getting all kinds of sleep and really, you know, the day just goes by so fast. I just don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you're getting in the gym a lot. I'm sure. Um, doing a lot of golfing and a lot of yachting. <laughs> I do a lot of yachting this time of year. It's very yachting. Well, we might as well jump right in since we have so many questions. You know, we did have a request, though. Um, someone said, you know, you guys get to all the questions, which are great. But sometimes they want, like, a little overall recap. And not most of the time we're here, we kind of get to – we cover every topic because there's so many questions. Is there something you want to say to start us off here, or you want to just jump right in? Something that I want to say? I want to say thank you for listening to the Trojan Blast and following me on Twitter um, almost got a thousand Twitter followers in less than a month, so that's pretty cool. Um, other than that, nope. I say we get to the questions because that's what people want to know. All right. And I'm not a mind reader, so the questions help. Okay. Gmart Live. Is is it Gmart Live one or just Gmart Live? It's just Gmart Live. Gmart Live on Twitter, and you can follow me at Inside Troy. Uh, we'll be tweeting a lot between now and signing day, and obviously after that. Let's. Uh, why don't we start off with a voicemail question? It was uh, has to do with a story uh, that you actually put up last night. 
How are you guys doing? I was wondering, I wanted to get your thoughts on Darius Rogers. I know he took his commitment to having his trip out to ASU. And I just wanted to know how that went and what his thoughts were coming back. And also, I wanted to know if uh, the story about DJ Foster's father accepting a job at ASU was true and uh, how that affects him, you know, making his uh, decision this Friday. Fight on. Well, first, I'm shocked that the first question didn't come from Miguel. Getting past that, uh, Darius Rogers had a tremendous visit to ASU. And as you saw in the story uh, that went up on USCFootball.com last night, there was uh, quite a bit of impact on him and kind of his decision, which is basically going to come down to signing day now. He says he's still committed to USC, but the fact that he could go to ASU and pretty much have a straightaway path to playing right away is making a big impact on his decision. Now, his mother did not make the trip with him, and I think that's significant because I think his mom is going to have a big impact on this decision. But nonetheless, I think DJ really likes uh, ASU and just likes the fact that he could come in and kind of, quote-unquote, be the man. He knows at USC, he's got Robert Woods, he's got Marquise Lee, he's got some other good receivers that are going to be in front of him in terms of uh, experience and know-how in the offense. And I, so I think that, you know, it's scaring him away a little bit. And we're just going to have to see how USC plays that. Now they've got Bryce Treggs, another four-star receiver, coming in on an official visit this week, midweek, Thursday and Friday. So that's kind of a maybe, I wouldn't say a plan B, but an alternative to Darius Rogers. And you really, you know, if you're a USC fan, you want those kids that want to come compete. They want to come in and they want to challenge Marquise Lee for playing time. They want to challenge Robert Woods for playing time. That's what made those USC teams so good under Pete Carroll. So, you know, it's natural selection to a certain extent now. You know, when you've got a kid that's looking at the depth chart and he's a little afraid of that, maybe he just doesn't line up for USC. So we're going to have to see how Darius Rogers plays out. Obviously, he's a very talented player. Um, I, I think he's a guy that can make some contributions to USC, uh, but he's going to have to kind of learn some things, and he's going to have a little bit of a, a learning curve in terms of playing away from the ball, not just having the ball in his hands. And obviously, when you're in high school and you're a four-star guy uh, and you are already the guy, you're able to make a lot of plays and get the ball in your hands all the time. And that's not necessarily going to be true when you take it to that next level. You're going to, you're going to have to learn a little bit, and especially in an office like USC's that you've seen with Robert Woods and Marquis Silly, you're going to have to block. And you're going to have to learn to do those things with the football. And I think we've talked about that in the past with uh, Darius Rogers. So we'll kind of see you know, how, it, how it develops here. Like I said, sounds like it's going to be an ultimate signing day decision. And um, you know, he'll have some in-home visits this week and trying to make a decision. So we'll see what USC does as well and see if you – know, you know, they're satisfied and content with waiting for him on signing day. Um, now, DJ Foster, and I say DJ because there's actually two DJs here. They also call Darius Rogers DJ because he's uh, Darius Jr. But DJ Foster, uh, the slot slash running back from Arizona, Scottsdale, Segura High School, he is still looking at USC and ASU. He's going to make a decision January 27th, which is this Friday. I have not heard anything about his dad getting a job at ASU. I'm not really sure where that's coming from. Um, I'm out of the loop on that story. If there's a story out there that his actually, actually his dad is going to get hired by ASU, I know that his former high school coach, a girl, 
is likely to get hired by ASU, and that's John Saunders. And John Saunders actually was fired by Sakura High School. There was no explanation by Sakura or the district officials about why he was fired. A lot of people say he was outspoken, and there's some things that had to do with, um, you know, a game, a rivalry game that they were going to play on on regional television, and evidently he pulled all his starters for that game and got them rested for the playoffs, and maybe some people were upset about that because of the sponsorship that fell through. Um, but he was fired by Sergio, and it sounds like he will be brought on the ASU staff as some type of kind of high school liaison, um, kind of a, a coach that's uh, not a recruiter off campus, but on campus knows a lot of high school coaches, has good connections in the Arizona area, and is able to kind of meet and greet people and, and organize things that are, you know, for officials and unofficial visits on campus for ASU. This ASU coaching staff that's come in under Todd Graham really doesn't have a whole lot of connections to Arizona. So they kind of need to have someone to come in and kind of have some type of rapport and some know-how in the lay of the land in Arizona. So there's talk that they might bring him in for that. There might be another hire that would also impact DJ Foster, and I can't really get into that too much right now, but um, the ASU's definitely trying to play all the angles on this one, and they're using every bit of home field advantage, if you want to call it, in this recruitment as they can. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with DJ Foster, but as far as hires and hires that would make an impact in his recruitment, those are the two that I've I've heard about and, and may be significant. Now, his father, like I said, I don't know anything about his father actually being hired by ASU, but for the two DJs, Darius Rogers, DJ, and DJ Foster, that's kind of the summation right now where they are in their recruitment. Okay, uh, let's see. Why don't we jump to Robert? Had Miguel. An inter- huh? Oh, not Miguel. Not Miguel, no. Robert had an interesting question. And he was talking about, he was listening to the recruiting blast, mentioned Josh Shaw counting as an early enrollee towards the class of 2011. And that's what I was told from compliance. He said, you should pass on to your listeners that early enrollees are not unlimited. He feels that USC used 20 scholarships last year. I have to go back and look, but uh, that would allow them only five early enrollees for January. 20 plus five would get you a total of 25. Um, now, if Scott Scar, Star, Morgan Breslin, Gerald Bowman, Chad Wheeler, and Devontae Wilson all counted towards the class of 2011, then Joshua couldn't count there if there's only five early enrollees. We're not sure. I thought they could bring in six, but I'm not sure. But Well, that was something that Lane Kiffin actually said. Lane Kiffin said that they were looking to sign five or six early enrollees after the season. So everybody kind of just took that and, and ran with it. And I know what he's saying, and, and that that is true with USC in terms of how many they could bring in on paper because they did only have five that were left over that didn't sign. So, yeah, I don't really know where that extra one came in. At this point, it may be moot because you have Gerald Bowman who has yet to actually enroll, and there's still kind of uh, some vague information there as to whether he really has a shot of enrolling um, early at this point. So, you know, he's got this week. He's got till January 27th. That's the last day that he's able to enroll. He told me that he would like to have got in today, uh, or excuse me, um, the 23rd, and and been in, you know, this week uh, to be able to go in for USC. But that has not happened, and I'm hearing that he's still working on it, and I just don't get the vibe that that's going to happen. Uh, with what I'm hearing. So he'd end up being a main role and end up having to count towards the 2012 class. So, again, kind of a moot point if that happens. Okay. And then uh, Tom Keller 
and Scott in Denver had a kind of follows up to that. Um, I mean, they, I mean, Tom basically had the same question about the uh, the early enrollees, and Scott wanted to know uh, as far as how many players can USC sign. You mentioned the class of 2012. He said, I've heard anywhere from four to seven from various sources, assuming all the current commits stick with USC. Um, what are your thoughts on how many guys are coming in? We've been saying all along, Gerard, they're going to try to bring in 15, and then you'll kind of figure out the, the overall numbers later. Do you still feel that that's the case? It seems so. I mean, they, they've pretty much kind of alluded to that. And, and with even with what Lane Kiffin said, you know, why would you make such a push to get as many early enrollees as possible if you weren't going to use all 15 of your scholarships for the 2012 class? It would seem like, well, hey, you know, we'll get a couple guys in early. We still have this 15, and we're not going to use all 15, so we're not going to, you know, break our necks trying to get in all these guys early, uh, making a run at Morgan Breslin and, and going after guys like Josh Shaw and, and trying to make sure they could get your old Bowman in early and, and all the other things that you do. So you kind of have to look at, a, at the result of their recruiting and kind of, you know, the, the kind of what they produced uh, from effort standpoint. And, and all the effort that went into getting those guys in early kind of seems to say that, you know, they're trying to get the most out of this class as possible. And that would be 20, that would be maxing it out. So, I guess that's kind of what we see. That's why we assume that they're going to go after 20 um, in terms of the guys that they've offered, the guys that they've brought in on official visits. Uh, if they had everybody turn around and say, hey, you know, we want to be Trojans, they could certainly get, you know, a full 15 out of the 2012 class. Um, you know, whether it happens or not remains to be seen, but that's more about who they get commitments from and who they don't. And, you know, it's that real difficult time of trying to gauge who's in and who's just saying that they're in and you know guys coming in here january 27th this last weekend you've got two days after those guys have come in on their official visits and have gone home to really gauge who's in and who's just saying that they're in you know who's legitimately going to sign with us on signing day and what guys are just enamored with talking about going to usc but are going to end up flaking out on us and it's really hard to know because they, there's, I mean, you could use the example of Lamar Dawson last year and the coaches admittedly, and we had coach Barry, we had coach Ron on our show, on our live show and saying, we really didn't know what was going to happen with Lamar Dawson. I mean, truth be told, it wasn't until we got his letter of intent that we're like, wow, we just got Lamar Dawson because they were hearing a lot of the same thing we were hearing. And literally just a few days up until signing day, it was, you know, USC's really far away from home, and I don't think I want to go that far away from home. And that's something you can't change. You know, USC's always going to be far away from home for Lamar Dawson. And for whatever reason, he just, I guess, slept on it, played on it, and ends up, I'm going to go to USC. And that night, basically, was when uh, I think he made that decision and told Tennessee that he was going to USC and then sent that letter of intent over to USC in the morning. So, you know, you're going to have those type of things go for you, and you're going to have those type of situations go against you. And so USC is going to have to kind of figure out what happens on signing day if they have some go against them and if they're, you know, willing to say, okay, we didn't get all 15 guys, that's not a big deal. We already are over our 75 limit with this recruiting class too. So, you know, that's more guys that we just have to continue to recruit to stay here that may be looking to transfer. That's more guys that are on the roster right now that may have great issues that we've got to put more effort in to making sure that they come back next year. Maybe we have to put, 
you know, a little more effort into making sure that there's guys that are medical guys and, and crossing our fingers and hoping that they come back and, you know, we're not necessarily optimistic. It just opens the door for those things. Okay. Uh, let's see. J.P. White and uh, Chico said he's a Northern California longtime Trojan fan, studied, uh, uh, currently stationed in New Mexico. Love your podcast. It keeps me in the loop wherever I am in the world. Your show reaches a lot further than you think. Was stationed in South Korea. Listen there. Listened in Germany three years. Listen there. Uh, I lived in Germany three years. Listen there. Now back in the U.S. Yeah, still listening. Keep it up. Uh, so it's question. It well, thanks for for listening all over the world. That's great. Um, how significant or how often do you think opposing coaches use Matt Barkley's last year against the Trojans on the recruiting trail? If they say something like, yeah, sure, the Trojans easily will be great next year, but what happens three or four years, you'll be there and after Matt leaves. That's from J.P. White. Wow. I don't think very often. Uh, truth be told, I think USC probably uses it to their advantage a lot because, hey, what receiver doesn't want to catch passes from a Heisman Trophy winner or a guy that you know is going to be slated to be a candidate for the Heisman Trophy? Um I think that, you know, USC, I think pedigree-wise, tradition-wise, has been so good at the quarterback position for so many years now that there's just the next guy in line. And while Matt Barkley is a great player and has done great things at USC and a lot of great things are expected from him next year, I think that USC can really be confident and kind of sell that confidence with other recruits with the quarterback position, you know, after him. I mean, they've got two guys that are four-star guys, you know, Army All-American, Under Armour All-American, in Max Wittick and Cody Kessler. Um, you know, you've got Jesse Scroggins, who was also an Under Armour All-American, four-star. You've got, you know, guy, I mean, they brought in a guy like uh, Siler Miles, who's an Army All-American, four-star quarterback that just took an official visit to USC. Quarterbacks are going to be attracted to USC regardless. Uh, it's the offense, it's California, there's a lot of good post-style quarterbacks and NFL-level quarterbacks that are just local in California, in Southern California, year in and year out, so it's not hard for USC to recruit that type of quarterback. So, uh, you know, yeah, Matt Barkley leaves, and you're going to have to get adjusted to a new quarterback. That's going to happen everywhere, but I think the, the chances of USC's next quarterback stepping in and being another great quarterback are much higher than you have at just about any other college nationally. And I do think there's some truth to it, though, where they're selling, maybe not just because of Matt Barkley leaving, but because I think people are going to admit USC is going to be great next year, or they should be at least on paper. But I think they're selling the, the couple years after that. There's, I think they're telling recruits that's when you're going to really feel the sanctions. I don't think it's factual. I mean, I think USC is still going to bring in guys. They're going to keep the, the limit right around 75 and be okay. Um, but I think they're selling – that's part of the the negative pitch I think people are using against USC is they're going to try to use the doom and gloom of the sanctions after this following year, but almost like conceding that, yeah, 2012 is going to be great, but how are the years after that going to be? Not just because of Matt Barkley, but because of everything. Well, that's another can of worms. That's the sanctions, yeah. which is completely different. I mean, yeah. if, if, as far as Matt Barkley's concerned and using him as a pawn and, hey, you should come here because next year Matt Barkley's not going to be there and USC's going to be terrible. I just don't think that goes very far, even for the dumbest recruit. Yeah. Salar Miles might like that Matt Barkley's leaving, so who knows. Um, yeah, see. exactly. <laughs> let's go to – we had some um, some good questions. I like it, some uh, out-of-the-box kind of things. Tim Duren wants to know, with the limitations for the next few years, what are the odds of USC identifying their top 8 to 10 – I know you don't like odds questions, Gerard, but this is pretty good – 
top eight to ten prospects for the next year and trying to wrap them up early, a la Texas, having a big junior day in February, March, inviting only players with offers and getting them on board early. That would allow the coaches to identify another five or seven players that'd be needed without having to worry about people rating their top guys. What do you think about that? It's controversial. Um, early recruiting and whether it works or it doesn't work, uh, you know, Texas has struggled the last couple of years and you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, they've had guys that have turned out to be bust. They've, tried to evaluate them early and they've looked at tape from sophomore years and they really don't know what they're getting and they get all these guys committed and then they get them on campus and they're supposed to be great players because they were great as sophomores and juniors but you know kind of peaked in high school and they have a bunch of those guys now and they're not producing then you have the argument that yeah but you know you get ahead of the game and you're able to build those relationships with those recruits and you really kind of get ahead of the curve uh, as far as, you know, kind of being able to circle the wagons on the top players in the state early and keeping them away from other teams. It's it's a debate, and I don't know if there's, you know, one side that has a better hold on it than the other. I do know with today's recruiting, it's a little bit senseless to put too much stock into getting a bunch of early commitments just because of the way the process works. Now, in Texas, that example, it's a little different. I think Texas kids grow up Longhorn fans tend to be very, I don't know, homogeneous in terms of, you know, what they know about college football, what they think great college football is. It's like Texas, 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 you bleed uh, burnt orange, and you are a Texas fan. It's not really like that in Southern California. In Southern California, obviously, you've got UCLA and USC, you know, within 20 minutes of each other. Uh, you've got a lot of people here transplanted from other parts of the country. So you have much more influence, and I think kids are a little more worldly and cultured when it comes to looking outside the box at colleges. You know, you get a kid from Moreno Valley that says, oh, you know, I like Auburn. You know, I want to go to Auburn. You're, Auburn? What do you, What does Auburn have to do with anything? Why in the world would you want to go to Auburn? Like, did, did you follow Auburn growing up? No, not really, but my uncle is from Alabama and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for some reason they like Auburn because of the uniforms or because of Cam Newton. And it's just kind of – you don't hear that coming from guys from Texas or you don't hear those kind of comments from a kid from Alabama, you know, where all of a sudden he just likes USC because USC. It's very rare. So here I think you've got kids that are a little more open. So you can go and you can put all your time and effort into – you know, getting five to six kids early in the process and getting them committed. But at the end of the day, he could end up with what USC's ended up with this year. And you've got guys like Jordan Payton and Jadon Mickens and quite a few players that they've had early. We're talking about Darius Rogers and his trip to Arizona State. And now looking at Arizona State as, you know, maybe a viable option on signing day, that would be the next guy that's the earliest recruit that ended up committed still in this class for USC. Uh, the first guy was Jordan Payton, and you had, then you had Jadon Mickens, and I think Darius Rogers was the next guy. And those guys are, you know, the first two guys are obviously decommitted, not part of the class anymore. So Eric Armstead. <laughs> Eric Armstead was up there too, right? Eric Armstead was another early one. So, yeah, it's kind of been uh, – it's almost like, uh, you know, those big waves hitting the Malibu shoreline, and, you know, it just seems to be – you know, the shoreline seems to be crumbling, you know, back more and more and more and more. So uh, by signing day, maybe, you know, be Jabari Ruffin will be the, the first guy that's uh, a commit in the 2012 class. So, you know, so I, there's that argument for that too. You know, it's just difficult. And, and putting that time and energy into early recruiting, it maybe it's just uh, – it just doesn't really get you anywhere that you should be kind of waiting and putting more emphasis into, you know, recruiting during the season and then coming in really after the season and, and, and pushing hard on recruits. 
Okay, let's go to Terry in Los Angeles. He says, two recruits coming in on 127. Uh, that's January 27th, this coming weekend. Justin Shanks, Seth Jacobs. Could Gerard speak on those two as what they bring to the table? Are they long shots, or is there a realistic chance to sign them? Ooh, it's kind of a more of a, a kind of a, a sneaky, you know, what of our chances type question. Um, <laughs> you know, Nelson Aguilar and and Ter- Tariq McCord and Dante Fowler, three players from Florida, are actually going to be visiting January 27th for USC. And um, it's interesting, you know, Monty Giffen, Link Giffen, and we've talked about this many times before, have a lot of pull and have a lot of real notoriety there in that Tampa area, and. Um, you know, the high school coaches there just think Monty is a god. And, you know, they can go into Tampa and they can be heard. And this is the week that you kind of see, okay, we've got the notoriety. Can we actually, you know, close the deal with one of these kids from Florida uh, in Tampa? And Nelson Aguilar seems to be the guy that everybody kind of looks to and says, you know, that's the kind of Joe McKnight maybe of this class. That's the guy that kind of is the USC guy just from a personality standpoint, from a profile standpoint. If you were to talk about an out-of-state recruit that ends up going to USC and ends up being successful, kind of Nelson Aguilar, you know, kind of a smart kid, a very gregarious kid, uh, outgoing and very confident in himself and, and definitely seems like he wants to be part of a, a winning program and is not caught up on the, 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 the small things and, and the things that are kind of out of his control in terms of, you know, playing time and, and where he ends up on the depth chart. So, you know, that's, that's a guy that they have a legitimate shot at. Tariq McCord is, is a guy that I think, you know, having talked to him personally at the Army All-American game a couple times and really, you know, when I first talked to him at the first interview, I was taken back by just how interested he was in USC and just how articulate he was about his interest in talking about the broadcast program in Annenberg, talking about Monty Kiffin and the tradition of NFL players uh, that Monty Kiffin has in terms of putting them in the NFL and kind of how his defense has showcased so many all-pro players. And he named guys, and he talked about the defense, and he just talked about USC in a very specific, detailed way, having been there unofficially last summer for the Rising Stars camp and talking about the atmosphere you get the sense like this guy is legitimately looking at USC. He's definitely studied up on USC. He's been in contact with the coaches. He's talking a little bit like the coaches, but you just don't know because, you know, he committed to a Florida school. He's committed to Miami right now. So obviously you kind of wonder distance, you know, how is that going to affect not only him, but his family, because you have to think of it in two different ways. Distance is a factor, not only for the recruits themselves, but sometimes for the family. Sometimes the families just can't bear to see their baby leave and go away from home because they've been watching this young man grow up and been going to their football games for the last 10, 11 years, and all of a sudden that's gone. You're just watching them on TV, and maybe once a year when you fly out, that's kind of difficult for them sometimes. And so sometimes there's a little bit of a guilt trip that's put on the recruits themselves, even though they really could go out of state and really wouldn't have any problem, probably wouldn't be homesick. And so that's kind of the thing that's the dynamic here, which, again, makes it tough for the coaching staff to try to gauge, is this kid really is he going to be able to bite the bullet and say, I'm going to go to USC and I'm actually going to sign with USC and not just say nice things about USC after a visit. Um, and Dante Fowler, similar, he's he's – Probably more of the long shot because he's been committed to Florida State for so long, uh, you know, has relatives that have gone to Florida State. 
And so he's definitely a little bit of a more of a Seminole, and you'd have to kind of pull a shocker a little more to get him away from Florida State. He has talked about USC glowingly in the past, has talked about being interested. He, unlike Nelson Aguilar and Tyreek McCord, has not unofficially visited USC on his own dime. So he has not come out during the summer. And I think, and I've said this before, that's something very significant. You know, when kids come out on their own dime and they get that chance to kind of hang around the coaching staff and be at the school, um, that's just that's just a big deal. You know, I think that and the travel and they kind of understand what's 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 involved in going cross country to go to college there. And then they decide, you know what, I want to come back. I want to see that experience again. That means something. Dante Fowler hasn't gone through that, so we'll see kind of how that goes with his initial you know feeling of of being away from home. And that's the farthest visit he'll take away from home uh, in the recruiting process. So that's kind of the Florida three right now and, and where they sit. Now, he, well, the, um, Terry mentioned Justin Shanks, the defensive lineman from Alabama, and Seth Jacobs um, as well. He's from California. Uh, he, he's mentioned those guys were coming in. Are those guys actually visiting? I, I, it didn't look like they were. but I don't know anything about Seth Jacobs uh, having uh, an offer to visit yet. Um, he's kind of a safety slash linebacker uh, from up there in, in kind of almost central California. It's not really central California. It's kind of, I think, Santa Barbara still. Um, it's like a, and, Royal, and, a Royal Grande or something. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, up there near Lompoc, which we had some questions about Lompoc the other day. Um, but um, yeah, I haven't really heard much about him in USC thus far. Um, that's, that's a possibility, but I, I just have not heard much on him. Um, and Justin Shanks is, I don't think, happening. I mean, that keeps getting asked, and... Uh, Alabama guy and, and was committed to Florida State. And I, th- I think he's still technically uh, committed to Florida State. Wasn't really the most impressive defensive tackle we saw at the Army All-American Bowl either. Um, he's a body, and USC is definitely looking for some defensive tackles. And I actually talked to him when he was first offered um, way back when by USC, which is probably in – it might have been during the summer, and said, yeah, you know, I'm definitely looking at USC. I really like USC. And then he turned around and committed to Florida State. So – yeah, you know, it's some in terms of long shots. He would definitely be, I think, a long shot. Seth uh, Jacobs would be less of a long shot just because he's local. But I haven't really heard much about USC recruiting him hard or, or being in on him. Um, but you know, it's 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 kind of a weird time of year with USC because you know they're bringing in Bryce Triggs, and I was under the assumption that Bryce Triggs actually had a scholarship offer from USC because usually when you bring a kid in an official visit, he's got a scholarship offer. Uh, from what I understand, he does not have a scholarship offer right now. So they're actually bringing him in on an official visit without that offer. Again, on the heels of Darius Rogers going to ASU, to me, there's there's some correlation there. And, and people said, well, you know, there's reports out there that you know, they'd bring in Darius Rogers and Trey, uh, Bryce Trake together, and, and Bryce Trake said he played with Darius Rogers, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's coming from the kids. <laughs> it's not necessarily the strategy and the dynamic going on with how the coaching staff is stacking things. So I think, again, it's one of those things where you look at the moves and then you try to decipher what they mean. Okay. Uh, Chuck in Newport Beach says, despite the distance involved, USC's got some quality recruits out of Florida. Over the years, Lane Kiffin considered has Lane Kiffin considered adding an adding an assistant coach that has Texas uh, recruiting background or devo- devoting a current staff member to recruiting Texas. I'm sure he has. Willie Matt Garza was actually the main recruiter for the Texas region, and he was from Texas, from Dallas, so he had a lot of connections there, and was kind of the guy that was recruiting Texas. Texas is a little different, though, than Florida. Florida is a little more like California in terms of kids are a little more open-minded 
And while it's even farther away, it seems like it's a little more wild, wild west in terms of recruiting and getting in there. And if you can just get the right rapport with a kid, you might be able to pluck them away. And I think it has a lot to do with just the amount of schools that go into Texas and recruit. You, you, you've got, obviously, the three big Florida schools in Florida State, Florida, Miami. But in addition to that, you have the SEC schools that go in there, too. So you've got a lot of different messages, a lot of different influences, and it kind of works in a way that I think, you know, the local schools have to kind of fight against each other and then fight against the SEC schools as well. So you can kind of go in and cherry pick a little bit, you know, if you get in on a kid. With Texas, there's lines drawn, I think, much firm, much more firmly with Texas and A&M and, and Oklahoma and, and kind of the kids from whatever region just kind of go to those certain schools you know, regardless, and it seems like the loyalties there are stronger, and you have to work more through the high school coaches, and a lot of those high school coaches will just shut you down if they have any affiliation or any kind of loyalty to that specific college. You know, this certain school kind of sends kids to this college, and it's kind of a pipeline college for Oklahoma, then USC is going to have a hard time getting in there and really getting in the kid's ear and being able to recruit them. So um, I think that's kind of the difference. Uh, quite frankly, I think USC doesn't need to recruit Texas. I don't know that they really need to recruit Florida either, but I think it's in terms of what you need uh, in terms of players that maybe traditionally are not, you know, it's position-wise, it's not, you know, heavy in California defensive tackles maybe or, or maybe cornerbacks. Florida may be a better option for them. Um, but, you know, Texas is really, I think, for USC would be more of a, of a lineman state. And, um, you, you know, outside that, I don't know that you need to go in there and recruit real hard. Uh, you got a lot of other competition there too. All right. Uh, I think this one from Lawrence in Dallas, Texas, might uh, be a rapid fire. He said, with the uh, recent situation with cornerback Yuri Wright, do you think USC would take a look at him? SC is looking for a second cornerback. Young kid made a mistake, but could be a diamond in the rough. No, they actually did look at Yuri Wright, and they were trying to get him in on an official visit. This was obviously before the Twitter fiasco, and if you guys don't know, um, he put a lot of stuff out on Twitter that was just, uh, it was obscene, you know, more than anything. It was, it was silly, and it was obscene, and he goes to you know, Don Bosco, which is a private parochial high school that um, is is very well thought of, and obviously the principal and the counselors and the teachers and professors at that school were not very happy with uh, with just, I guess, what he was saying on Twitter, the profanity and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, they, they came down on him, and there's been some reports that some colleges have actually stripped him of scholarship offers because they just didn't like the way he conducted himself on Twitter. Young kid, maybe a dumb mistake. USC actually did recruit him, but he pretty much eliminated USC um, before the Army All-American game. So he and Darius Hamilton, we got a lot of questions about Darius Hamilton as well, another Don Bosco player. Uh, USC's out of it for those kids. Okay, uh, let's see. This one is from JD in DC. He said, do you think that the impact of scholarship caps have actually increased rather than decreased recruits leverage with USC this year, at least three positions, DT, defensive end, and offensive tackle. You get the sense we have loads of interest from top recruits, but they're hanging back to the last minute to see where other guys commit. They don't want to be bumped at the last minute by a late commitment from a preferred candidate if there's only one spot there. He said it's a zero-sum game this year. We can't take, for example, Shitu and Williams and McCord 
or Banner and Murphy and Pete. Uh, yeah, so was, stuff like that. Like, what do you think about, you know, being a zero-sum game where if the, there's maybe they're in on three guys, like you mentioned, but you couldn't really bring in all three of them? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's hard to really know what's going through each recruit's mind, and I don't know that they're all thinking the same thing. I think there's maybe some guys. I think Shitu is, is a pretty good example of a guy that's kind of hanging back and he wants to see where the chips fall. And I don't know that that's necessarily just exclusive to USC, though. I think that's kind of what he's looking at across the board. He wants to see what happens to Cal. He wants to see what happens at UCLA. He wants to see what happens at SC. He wants to see what happens at Stanford. So I think that's kind of a, a, a general what kids are going where, you know, where is my position going to be stacked? Are they going to have, you know, three other guys that I'm going to be coming in and competing with at a specific position? Um, and I, I think that kind of goes for a general that's the mindset of that recruit for all schools. Um, but it is a kind of a, an interesting thing to think about. Just I, I think it's actually more of a logical, rational thing that adults think about <laughs> and, and looking at things. I think it's actually beyond probably most recruits to, to look at, you know, is there going to be a kid that ends up, you know, committing to the school early and then could get bumped uh, by USC uh, on signing day because a better recruit comes along. And I'm sure those discussions have been had probably maybe with parents or possibly some high school coaches, um, you know, and maybe USC is also kind of telling some of these kids, you know, we want you to hold off on making a verbal commitment until signing day because we kind of want to see what's going to happen with everybody at your position. And that's something that could be happening as well. We've not heard that, have not had a recruit uh, tell us that after a visit, but, you know, everybody's kind of looking around wondering, hey, where are all these kabooms at? You know, where are all these uh, silent commitments? Where are all these commitments that are that are coming after, you know, all these visits and, and nobody's seeing them? So I think that's just people kind of trying to figure out, well, maybe it's because the recruits are, are hanging back and, and, you know, don't want to necessarily get bumped because there's a five-star guy that's going to turn around and commit, you know, the next week. Uh, but maybe, again, on the flip side, maybe USC's telling everybody, hey, we're kind of trying to figure out where we are right now with scholarships and, and who's committed and who's not. Okay, we had two questions on Eric Armstead. Matthew and Kevin both wanted to know, USC had an in-home visit with him the past week. What's going on with Eric Armstead? Nothing that I know of. I know there was a report this past weekend that he officially visited USC. I have no knowledge of that. I've asked around about it, and nobody that was there on the visit talked about him being on the visit with them. So to my knowledge, it just hasn't been verified, and I don't know that he was actually there. There's a report that he was actually at UCLA, too. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just that time of year, I guess. And, um, you know, from what I know, I haven't talked to the family, uh, the way they parted ways with the university, not necessarily the coaching staff, but the university itself, over what's gone on with Armand. Uh, it'd be hard to believe that he would still end up at USC. Um, anything can happen. You never say never, especially in recruiting, but it would be a surprise and a shock to a lot of people. Uh, we had, I think, four different people asking questions about the defensive line. Bill and Hugh both left uh, voicemails, and we're just going to kind of lump all these together. Uh, Jeff and uh, Tom Keller also left. You know, want to know first about everyone mentions uh, Ellis McCarthy. Everyone except Jeff, I think, and then uh, want to know overall how the defensive line recruiting is going. Thank you, Jeff. Um, to everybody else, Ellis McCarthy is going to uh, UCLA. He took his official visit there this past weekend, and um, 
sounds like, you know, it's, it's a done deal. Um, there's a lot of background to that. And, and uh, we've talked a little bit about it in the war room and, and gotten into it in a little more detail there. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's going to go to UCLA and, um, you know, they're, they're going to try to kind of build their class around him basically. Defensive right. line in general. I, I, that's now that's a really open-ended question. I don't know where you want me to go there. With <laughs> how's the defensive line recruiting going? Is that was that kind of the the, the other part of the question from everybody? Uh, yeah, there was. Let's see. You know, how were last weekend's official visits for the defensive line guys? Uh, well, okay, let's let's hit Leonard Williams just quick because he's uh, he was on his official visit to USC. Um, I really have not got anything about him. Really, how he liked his visit. Um, you know, I, I I suspect he probably liked his visit. Um, how did he like the plane ride back home? Is probably always more of an important question. He liked it enough to end up going to Florida right after, which is rare. You don't really see guys go on an official visit all the way out to USC from Florida and then come all the way back home and then the next day go on a midweek visit to another school, regardless of how close that school is. But he ended up driving up or flying up, I'm not really sure, to Florida, and now he's on an official visit to Florida here up until Wednesday. So definitely trying to get him as many official visits as he can in before signing day. A lot of people feel like Auburn's still the school to beat, but you know we haven't heard anything about his uh, official visit to USC. I know he's got some family ties in Southern California. Uh, actually heard through the grapevine that he was actually originally from Southern California, um, but haven't been able to verify that with him. So, you know, it's it's tough to, to really tell where USC sits with him. Um, but he'd definitely be a guy that USC would want to get in on. You know, people have talked about Ellis McCarthy, talked about the line recruiting. You know, Leonard Williams is one of those guys at 6'5", 265 pounds, could play a three-technique or be a strong side defensive end. I think he could definitely put on enough weight to be an inside guy and to be a pretty good pass rusher. I mean, his film is very, very impressive. So, um, you know, in terms of talent and in terms of, uh, you know, fit and being able to contribute as a part of this class, he's definitely a guy I think USC would take. Um, the rest of the defensive line class, again, we talked about Tariq McCord already. Um, you know, we've talked about some of the other players that, that have come and gone on the USC recruiting board. Um, it, it's kind of slim pickings as far as, you know, defensive tackle and how many guys they have shots at and how many guys they can bring in on visits. Um, there's only one weekend left. And so, you know, unless there's some, some kind of sneaky stuff that's gone on that we don't know about, which, you know, it's always possible. I mean, there are ninjas out there, and they do recruit well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of what you have on the board, the guys that have visited and the guys that are visiting this weekend, uh, you know, the two defensive ends, it's kind of where it is. And it seems like, you know, USC would love to be able to get two defensive tackles out of this class. Right now they're just trying to hold on to Peel by Tuve, who's um, a little more of a one-shade inside guy than he is a three-technique pass rusher. Um, he officially visited has kind of gone underground and I think just wants to kind of think about it and, and is really looking at his decision between Cal, Utah, USC. Um, you know, he talked about maybe Washington a little bit there, but I kind of think it's a Cal, Utah, USC kind of race. And um, he didn't come out right away and say, I'm committed to USC, I'm sticking with USC, kind of like Jalen Cope Fitzpatrick did after his official visit. So, 
you know, you kind of have to wonder, he, you know, he said he's going to take some time. He, he did say before the official visit that he wanted to take some time, let it settle in, and make an announcement. So it's not necessarily, you know, he's not coming out right away with an announcement that he's staying committed, um, that that's bad news, because he did kind of say before going into the visit, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a few days and then, you know, come out at some time later in the week and tell people whether I'm going to stick with USC or whether I need more time. Um, to kind of think over my decision. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. But at this point, he's the only guy committed. He's an interior guy for sure. Uh, they've got three guys there that are, that are kind of defensive ends. But like I said, Leonard Williams, I think he's definitely a guy that can move inside. Okay, and I, I do apologize. Evan also had, he mentioned Ellis McCarthy and his and Eric Armstead as well. So Evan hopefully got to those. But he had an offensive line question. We have a few offensive line questions. I'll kind of lump those together too. Uh, Evans was, here's a curveball. Do you think we have a better shot at Andres Pete or Isaac uh, Suomalo? And I think we have some update on that. Ron wanted to know. What well, are can your... I get to that question first? Yeah, go ahead. I think we have a better shot at Andres Pete right now. <laughs> okay. We did just get a, I just got an email. It seems like Isaac's going to be staying up in uh, Corvallis. It seems like now, but who knows? No, he's for sure. He's, he yeah. said that he's going to, he's going to stick with Oregon State and uh, talk to the coaches. Um, let's see, with Sunday night, I think uh, it sounds like he called the coaches and at USC and, and informed them that he was going to stay committed to Oregon State. And just a lot of loyalty with the family and his dad coaching there and his brother being there. So, um, you know, kind of kind of an expected uh, bit of news that came through there. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, USC has a better shot at Andre Speed at this point. Okay. And then Ron wanted to know about your thoughts on Banner and Murphy regarding USC, and Kevin in Bakersfield went a little further. He said Banner, Murphy, and Pete. Do you think have a chance at getting all three? And if you could get only one, who do you think is number one of those three on the wish list? Well, we got the same question last week, and I just don't think there's a shot at all three. I just don't think that's realistic. I think at best, USC is trying to get two out of three, and at worst, you want one out of three. If the one is you know, one particular guy and you could choose them out of the three, uh, it's tough. I mean, is it me personally choosing? Is it USC personally choosing? Obviously, you know, different opinions there. I can't speak for USC. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It puts me in a real tough position because they're all really talented. Um, you know, I really like Zach Banner, not only, you know, on the field and, and his potential, but off the field, I think he's, you know, just a, a really good person and a kind of an asset to a university. I think, you know, somebody was talking about him on the boards the other day and, and I just kind of chimed in. I, I felt kind of like I needed to, to, to let people know, you know, this is a kid that legitimately is going to be an addition to your school, regardless of whether he pans out of football. I mean, he's that good of a kid, and I think that's kind of an important thing to know when you're recruiting uh, a player. Now, that's not to say that, you know, Anders and, and, and Kyle Murphy are not great kids, too. Um, I don't know Anders very well at all. Uh, I know he's a very good student, obviously just getting accepted into Stanford. Um, and Kyle Murphy has also been accepted into Stanford. He was accepted into Stanford a while ago, 4.0 student himself. So they're also very smart kids. So you, you really, you know, I, I don't know if you can, if you can really lose out, you know, if, if any three of those kids, I know the best player that I saw this year in person. And I tend to go with my eyes more than what I hear when it comes to valuations was Kyle Murphy. He was probably the best player that I saw in person this year uh, in a game situation, just watching him during the game, 
Um, and, and he really didn't do anything to, to lessen my opinion of him at the Army All-American Bowl. I think Zach Banner obviously improved even more, which you know I had high thoughts of him after watching him this summer and then watching him again at the Army All-American game. I, I, I thought that he just continues to improve and continues to get better. I mean, he's on that way of being a guy that, as I think, just grows into his body and starts to understand and get more coordinated and get more aware uh, with, with just his size and how to use his size. He becomes a better player. The ceiling for him is extremely high, no pun intended, because he's six foot nine. But with Kyle Murphy... Uh, is a guy that just, man, is just good and just has all those things you want in offensive linemen right now outside of the size, he has it. And like I said, I've seen him in person, and I've seen him do well in person and, and really maul some good uh, players in person, whether it be at Army or playing against Eric Magnuson uh, when I saw him in person against LaCosta Canyon. You know, he just impressed. Andres Pete, I mean, he's the guy that's 6'7", 305, has the NFL bloodlines, um, you know, everybody loves him because he's a five-star, and, and he's kind of the guy that early on was looked at as kind of the best of the guys in the West uh, region as offensive tackles. Uh, I don't know if you can really go wrong with him either. I've heard a lot of great things about him also from, from sources that I trust that he is actually the best offensive lineman um, out here, maybe the best offensive lineman in the country, actually. Uh, but, again, I haven't seen him in person, so I have to go with what I see in person. And I, I kind of would, I guess, if I had to pick, put a gun to my head, out of the three, I'd probably go towards Kyle Murphy. But, I mean, it would be by a hair. Okay. Uh, let's see. We had a bunch of questions on Chip Kelly come in, and then the news broke that, you know, uh, Sunday night that he wasn't leaving. It sounded like he was leaving. Uh, Presley actually left us a voicemail. Sorry, but it was about a minute and a half, so it was a little too long for us to play on there. Um, but he wanted to talk about the, the impact on recruiting. Justin did as well. And uh, JD had some comments. He's saying that Oregon didn't seem to be putting together that much of a great class. Uh, was it sanctions overhang? Kelly looking at the NFL? He's not sure. But, um, you know, USC definitely lost some, some recruiting battles, you know, previous years. What do you think about this whole situation now? How is that going to affect recruiting USC and Oregon? Yeah, it would have helped USC a lot more last year. Um, <laughs> Chip Kelly would have announced uh, that he was going to the NFL. This year, it, it really is a pretty kind of average to above average class for Oregon. And uh, not a lot of guys at USC was going head-to-head with Oregon for, um, you know, very few players that I think that they would try to steal away from Oregon. Um, I know that, uh, you know, they're recruiting uh, Byron Marshall, the running back, and, you know, when that news broke, um, they were going to definitely, you know, get on Byron Marshall and see if he had any second thoughts. Um, I don't think he's going to at this point because Chip Kelly says he's going to stick with uh, uh, Oregon. It's interesting, though, because he didn't give any kind of timeline. I mean, if you read the statement that he gave, at least the official statement that I saw, it was that he had unfinished business as Oregon. And, you know, being the cynical kind of writer uh, that that I can be when it comes to these coaching changes and and just coaches coming and going in general, you know, unfinished business could mean yeah, I I got to finish out signing day and then I'm going to leave for Tampa Bay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that means. You kind of really have to read and take every single word that these coaches say in these type of situations with a grain of salt because we've seen guys just flat out deny things and then turn around and leave to the to the to the team or the franchise that they just denied, you know, having any involvement with. I mean, it's really crazy the way these things work out. So I don't really know what's going to happen with Chip Kelly. I don't know if that's something that, that, you know, is is still going to be an issue. I think that, 
obviously kids there are going to have questions about, you know, whether he's got his eye on jumping to the NFL. If there's a reason there, if, if um, you know, he's solid with Oregon for a number of years, did he get a contract extension? None of those details have been released. There's been nothing that has been talked about, again, to my knowledge, about what him staying means for Oregon. You know, what, what, is, what is that kind of, how, how does that play out? Is he there for a number of years? Is he just, you know, kind of giving us the, you know, he's going to stick it out for, for, you know, the spring and then he's going to take a, a break uh, like Urban Meyer did? Yeah, I don't know. So um, it does have an, a, an impact on recruiting um, as a whole if he leaves. If he does stick it and does come back, then it has obviously less of an impact, especially because USC not really recruiting a ton of those players. So um, it, it would be minimal, you know. It, it'd be more long-term impact if he was to leave. Okay, well, we talked about Oregon, another of the top teams in the Pac-12. There's a question. It's a voicemail question about Stanford. Hi, Ryan. Question for Gerard on this week's uh, recruiting blast. Uh, seems to, uh, This is J.D. from D.C. Gerard. seems like Stanford's quietly put together quite a class this year with a lot of uh, recruiting analysts saying they've got a real good shot at Chateau. Uh, Murphy, and even um, Garnett. Uh, that would be quite a class, wouldn't you agree, if they could pull it off? And what do you think their chances of being able to do that? Thanks a lot. I think that was our first Stanford fan calling in. He's not a, he's not a Stanford fan. <laughs> hey, Stanford's going to have a great class. No, J.D. writes in a lot. He, he puts in a lot of questions each week. Well, it's a good point because they are having a, a, a really good class. I mean, if they're able to close on those guys, it's a spectacular class for Stanford because Stanford's always going to get some guys under the radar that are good players. Um, I think it's just one of those things with, you know, the grades and, and guys being um, – they really have that pull nationally, and, and it just always seems like they can kind of develop a guy um, kind of out of nowhere that ends up being a good player for them. So if they're able to get some of those really good players on top of it, then you kind of go, wow, okay, that's a good combination of guys to get. And I think that's kind of what USC has gone more for under Lane Kiffin. It's that combination of guys that are that are maybe the under 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 the radar guys that are that are good students that are kind of a little more blue collar, and then kind of mixing them in with some of the playmakers and star players, and not getting too enamored with just the star players and just going after all the skill players. So. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Stanford. I know, you know, with Joshua Garnett, he's really been talking up Michigan a lot lately. You never know with kids, maybe that's just to kind of play up, you know, his announcement and, and, and kind of talking that up. But he definitely seems to like Michigan a lot more than I think people anticipated, you know, maybe just a couple months ago. Yeah, he's um, been tweeting a lot process. with Eric Magnuson. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and been talking a lot about his relationship with the coaches. So, um, you know, it, it, it might be foreshadowing a little bit there. Uh, you know, Kyle Murphy, a lot of people feel like he's going to end up at Stanford, uh, that he's a Stanford lean. Um, you know, there are some people there, you know, there's kind of been some rumblings on the down low that, you know, maybe USC is really the school that, that he's kind of, um, you know, feeling maybe more. And I, I think, and I've probably said this before, Kyle really says so little about recruiting and I have to imagine that it's like that even with people close to him. He, his personality-wise, he's just not a guy that says a lot. And, and I've even talked to people that are close to him, and, and they, they say, yeah, you know, he's pretty quiet about things. I think there's a lot of 
reading between the lines and assumptions that are made because he says so little. And sometimes people just kind of try to draw their own conclusions, and all of a sudden those conclusions become the consensus. And so, you know, I don't really know if, if Stanford is the big leader the way people have thought for so long. And, and again, I, I don't know that, you know, USC has any kind of real – you know, in with him and, 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 and really, you know, that's the school he was really destined to go to all the time just because, you know, San Clemente is, is really kind of a Trojan school. They've got a lot of uh, influence there, and, and there's a lot of people that are very close uh, with USC and that are alums and, and, and are boosters that, that are at the school being a South Orange County school, which is pretty much what you would think. Most South Orange County schools are kind of USC schools. Orange County is kind of USC territory. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I think with him, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he went to, to Stanford. You know, another guy I would throw in there is Anders Pete too. And Anders Pete, like I said, just got accepted into Stanford, and there was some talk when before he was accepted that Stanford was going to be maybe a player for him. He wasn't accepted. Uh, at the I guess the first time he went through admissions, and then people thought, okay, well Stanford's kind of out of it, um, but they were probably a, a more of a player than people realized. Now that he's actually been accepted, uh, or so he's announced, now they come become a player again for him, and so you kind of have to look at Stanford and, and get a feel for, you know, whether this is going to be still just a Nebraska USC um, type kind of showdown, or whether Stanford is all of a sudden jump back into it and. You know, they may legitimately be looking at Stanford. So, I mean, geez, you could have, you know, Kyle Murphy, um, you know, Joshua Garnett, and, uh, and Andres Pete all, you know, on that offensive line. They'd be a heck of a class coming in with Barry Sanders and some of the other players that they have. So um, they've done a heck of a job being able to kind of, you know, be able to capitalize on their success and and excel, you know, what they have as a university. Um, I don't know if I anticipate all those guys ending up there. I, I think maybe – that's kind of like, you know, with USC, Zach Banner, Kyle Murphy, and, and, and their speed all ending up at the same school. I, I don't know, that's, that'd be kind of a – that'd be tough. I, I don't know if, if they can do it. But, um, but yeah, they, they're going to have a good class regardless. Okay. Uh, we'll try to do a fast and furious finish. We've got a few more questions left. Uh, Ryan in Mesa, Arizona, wanted to know, USC had great success getting top players in Arizona when they wanted them, going back to uh, Everson Griffin, Chris O'Dell, Devon Kennard. Do you see any guys following down that road and – is Foster the only running back left on the board? Well, Foster is not the only running back left on the board in terms of, you know, who USC is recruiting, but in terms of who USC has a legitimate shot at right now, yeah, kind of, sort of. Jay Foster is the only guy left on the board. Um, And with Arizona just in general, yeah, it's becoming definitely yearly, you know, annually. There's there's always going to be some players out there that USC tries to come in and get. And, um, you know, this year was, was not a great year in terms of USC recruiting Arizona. And I think, you know, again, it's one of those things where you've got limited scholarships, so you're going to be a little more picky with, with who you're going to bring in. And so that may limit, you know, some of these guys that they bring in um, from Arizona. You know, it wasn't the, the year where you had, you know, the really big time, a lot of big time guys at the various top. It was kind of Anders Pete is the big fish there. And then you kind of had DJ Foster kind of a little bit below that. Um, and then a bunch of other guys that were kind of like, you know, lower four-star, three-star guys that, you know, USC kind of looked at but never really went on hard. Um, so, yeah, this year 
it's kind of been about Andrews Pete for for most of the year. Um, and years past, you've you've had maybe a couple more players. I, it, actually, in years past, it's been a little more quality over quantity. I think this year was kind of a little more quantity. I think there was probably more talent, you know, as a whole, um, but not necessarily, you know, that handful of guys at the very top that you know were, were maybe more national recruits. It'll be in the future, though. I mean, they're going to have guys. I mean, they already had Chris Willis, who's a safety, 6'2", 200 pounds, um, that actually took an unofficial visit to USC last weekend. He's already got a few offers from schools. Um, you know, he came in and checked out USC. USC's looking at him. USC hasn't offered him a scholarship yet, uh, but he's a guy that, you know, possibility maybe later down the line um, they, they might go on him. So there's, there's always going to be some guys there at Arizona. I think that there's been enough – you know, people from Southern California that have left Southern California that are moving in, you know, into Arizona and even, you know, places like Texas that have moved into Arizona, uh, that the population there, I think, you you know, you've got a, a legitimate talent pool there that every year, you know, you kind of go into it just like you go into the Inland Empire. All right. Let's uh, finish it off here. We uh, Zach had a question about Gerald Bowman. I think you already addressed about enrolling early. We, he has not yet. Oscar and Bellflower, how many wide receivers do you think – USC brings in this class. You kind of talked about that. Do you want to give them a number, or do you think it's just going to be one, or do you think two? I think two. I think they end up going for two. That's my my vibe. Okay. And then uh, Bob, the last one will go. Bob in Las Vegas. With uh, how will the scholarship limitations affect the USC recruiting process for the next few years? By this, I mean typically. You want to go after the best prospects at each position. Will USC fare better looking at three-star type guys who they feel they might have a better chance of trying to stick around for four years versus trying to land big-name four- to five-star recruits who might want to leave early? Well, that's a – wow. That's, that is so not a – That's not rapid, rapid fire. fire. Yeah, answer. Um, but I, I don't I, see USC going after three-star guys just because. No, they, yeah. no, I don't either. But it, but it does. It's it's a point to be made because you you do want to get those guys that are just. And I think in general, though, I I think you know, and maybe this is something that you know Lane Kiffin is is kind of caught onto. I think the divas and the guys that are just all about themselves and have egos. I think with under Pete Carroll, there was a there was too much of that, and I think. You know, Pete was always trying to be inclusive, and, 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 you know, he had the opportunity to be more inclusive with this program um, because, you know, they were winning, and you had a bunch of different guys that, you know, you could try to get in, involved in, in the games, and, and, you you know, I think the running back position is a kind of uh, emblematic of that, if you will, because of just so many guys there and, and everybody kind of getting some carries, but nobody really ever being able to be the man. And they had the thunder and lightning with Reggie Bush and Lindo White. But after that point, it was kind of like a bunch of guys. You know, you had Stephon Johnson a little bit. You had Joe McKnight that they kind of tried to make another Reggie Bush and just never really happened. Uh, you had C.J. Gable in there. You had Emmanuel Moody for a little bit. Then, you know, Alan Bradford came in at the end and didn't really get a lot of carries until, you know, really the last game of his whole career. It just it was just this hodgepodge of a bunch of different guys that were all really talented. But, you know, it just seemed like, hey, let's just try to keep everybody happy instead of let's just find the best player for us and give them the football. And so I think with Lane Kiffin, it has to be more streamlined. And I think personality-wise with him and the way he evaluates, I think he wants just the guys to just stand up and be guys and and to kind of be their guys there for, for you know, three, four years, and, and that's who we're going to ride with. And so 
I kind of think that no, they're not they're not going to go after three star guys, but I think there's going to be more thought put into the four and five star guys that they take and looking at their disposition and kind of their personality and you know like I said um you know the kind of the, the balance between you know looking at a guy like Darius Rogers right now who's talking about I don't know I like ASU because I could get the ball right away and I could be the man right away as opposed to maybe a Nelson Aguilar who you know maybe he feels like hey I'll come in and and I know there's Robert Woods and I know that there's uh uh, Marquis Lee, I'll come in and just play as hard as I can. And if I get the ball a lot as a freshman, then great. If I don't, I'll just work my way into the lineup and, and wait my turn. You know, you you, you have to balance that and, and find those guys that are willing to just kind of do their part and earn their time uh, on the field. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff. It's our longest Trojan blast ever talking to USC recruiting. So uh, thanks for coming on and thanks everyone for listening out there. Gerard, well, I guess we'll have to talk to you next week. I guess you'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to. It'll be our last <laughs> our last Trojan blast heading into signing we day. Take next week off. What do you think? Yeah, probably not. We're gonna get yeah, tons of other questions. But we do. You can talk to Gerard again tomorrow on Wednesday, Wednesday evening at eight p.m. We're gonna have our live UStream show. Just look at uscfootball.com. We'll put it up there. Hopefully, you can tune in live. We'll have Randall Telfer, the sophomore tight end. Uh, we're gonna talk to him, so you can log in, get in the chat room, ask. Uh, Randall, any questions you have, he can answer them right there on the air for you, and Gerard will be there as well. We're not sure if we're going to do another guest, if we'll have Gerard maybe do a recruiting segment. We'll probably do that, Gerard, if that sounds cool to you. Just got to make sure we get, we'll get we get some other guys to help us out produce the show. But should be a fun time. We're going to do an evening one again on Wednesday evening. Okay. Well, I guess I'll be there. I don't know if people can handle all this Gerard Martinez. I mean, I'm on the Peristyle all week. <laughs> you are, and you're you're tweeting all the time, and... Doing and I'm tweeting, blast. too. Jeez, I have no life. <laughs> yeah, it'll slow down. You can you can take a vacation, I don't know when, some other time. I am, uh, I am Ryan's content mule when it comes to January. Yeah, it is. All right, well, Gerard, thanks again for tuning in, and everyone else, thank you. I mean, Gerard, thanks for being on the show, everyone else. Hey, I'll tune thank in, you too. For, and thank you for tuning in. Later. Just to listen to what I'm saying, Gerard, you're tuning in to me. I'm tuning in to you and everyone else for tuning in to us. We really appreciate that. Thanks very much, and hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday at the live show. We're going to do live from McKay's, 8 p.m. Be there. Check it out on uscfootball.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.